With Eversense, the long-term sensor helps me spend less time dealing with my CGM. I only need two sensor changes a year. If you're on multiple doses of insulin, you might greatly benefit from the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only continuous glucose monitoring system that lasts for up to six months with one sensor. Still doing frequent sensor changes? Break free today with Eversense. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, please visit eversensediabetes.com safety. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversation along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Seth. Welcome to Mental Podcast. My name is Seth Showalter, and I am sitting here with my co-host, Michelle Collins. Michelle? Hello. See, I, I like it that I made you do that, and you just did. <laughs> and it takes just two seconds. Anyhow, thank it's you awkward. so much for listening to our show. We are trying to make it through an awkward intro this evening. <laughs> Michelle is very tired. I am. I am exhausted. But we are here to talk about <laughs> our lives for a little bit, and then we're going to listen to a story from Christina Kofke, uh, specifically in regards to chronic physical illness and its impact on mental health. But first, you know, let's hear from your co-hosts, mm -hmm. Michelle. Mental minute time. I yes. don't know. My life is pretty much the same as it always is, Seth. You know, I'm in this prep, so it's... It's so I'm. It's been incredibly I, mental this week. It really has. May I may I share an observation? Absolutely. Are you going to yell at me for using the word prep too much? No, I oh. want you to talk about your life. <laughs> I want you to talk about prep. However, prep means something very differently in the gay community than it does. Than what you're talking about? What does it mean? How, I don't know this. Yes. I don't know this. There is a medication. There really? is. There's a medication. It's called PrEP, and this medication prevents the transmission of HIV. I did not know so that. So you can take this pill, have intercourse with someone with HIV, and you will not get it. Um, really? It is like 99. Yeah. It's, I don't know the percentage, but it's like in the 90% effective range. I have never heard of that. That's amazing. Yeah. different, different, diff Definitely different than what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yes, it's <laughs> not the same at all, and that was not my observation either. <laughs> okay, what's your observation? My observation I would like to share. Okay. This is impacting you more this time than it did last time. Do you think so? Oh, 
Oh, I know so. Okay. Yes. Why do you know so? In what way? What do you mean? I feel as if you the first round you went in and it was kind of like this, I finally made it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just like all about like getting and finally having accomplished i'm literally in a bodybuilding competition i've worked so hard for this and you're kind of just like in for the in for the ride right and yeah you talked about it a lot but like i didn't feel like it it didn't seem like it was impacting you to the level it is this time so i i feel as if you got your feet wet and now this is round two and you know what you're doing and you know what you're aiming for and like you are taking this at like a hundred and fifty percent Oh, I don't see, and I am, I, am I anywhere close? Well, I, I do. I do think close? it's a good observation. Last year, when I was prepping, of course, we were selling a house. We were moving across the country. We had a whole set That's of stressors true. that That's were going true. on. So there was that. Yeah. Um, this year, there's a lot of new stressors, and of course, I haven't talked publicly about what those are, but uh, you know, and and yeah. it's it, this is actually more stressful. Mm-hmm. So that has made this a little more difficult, but I do think you're right. The first one, it was about getting my feet wet. It was about the experience. It was about, you know, finally getting on the stage, overcoming that anxiety and that apprehension. And this time you're right. I, I do understand the process better. I feel like I'm in a much better place as far as physically for what the goals I have are. And I have mm-hmm. on the horizon this time, a national show. And so to me, it feels like a whole different league now and i feel like i'm falling short of what is absolutely necessary to compete at this level and uh, so i'm frustrated with myself yeah and And i think you're kicking yourself in the ass and i do a lot and that i think that's what i'm catching yeah Uh, i I do a lot i've been i've been very perfectionistic this time and i'm I'm Mm -hmm. really struggling with that i did complain to my coach the other night i i sent her a text message and i I said t i really need you to tell me this is going to come together because i'm really struggling in my in my mental game right now and um she came back and she's my coach is a perfect combination of sweet and sassy and Mm -hmm. she came back and her the way she opened the dialogue was baby doll with a big heart and then she goes knock your shit off you're fine just stay on the grind i will tell you if there's a problem and i'm happy with what i see and she goes you know you do not see yourself the way i see you you because we've talked about this before the body dysmorphia i it's incredible to me how strong it is in me and so again, this is this is part of the game is finding those people that are trustworthy to put in your life that speak into your life and you can trust them to tell you the truth, not just to, you know, give you a compliment or whatever, but they're willing to tell you the hard stuff. And I have two of those people in my life right now. And I appreciate both of them very much uh for for being honest with me, for kicking my ass when I need it kicked and for reminding me that I'm better than I think and I'm further along in this process than I think because I will never think I'm good enough. So that mm-hmm. that's helpful. So I think you're right. And she did tell me uh, to verify, to, ve- to give validity to what you just said. She said, every prep is different. It doesn't matter what kind of a competitor you are. Every single one will be different. You will experience them differently every time. So I, I don't know. This one just feels really hard, really hard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge, but m- mentally more than anything. I mean, you know that I like I can go to the gym and not even think about it. That's a that's a grind I'm used to. 
I, I, I don't know what to do if I don't go to the gym. Um, cardio I can do, the water I can do, the food's a little difficult because of the mental state. But that mental state is really very difficult. So, mm-hmm. that, I don't know. I, you know, I you know, I was struggling earlier. I, I sent you a message earlier. I was half asleep. I almost fell asleep in traffic, literally. Which is terrifying. Yeah, it really you. is. I had to go to a city that's about 40 minutes away and I came back and on the way back it was getting closer to rush hour and so in the city streets there was a lot of traffic so I ended up sitting at a light for a long time and I caught myself with the whole head going like like oh shit yeah. I'm gonna fall asleep and mm-hmm. uh I got home and I had to do some stuff for a client and my my eyes were literally I was seeing double so I, I literally laid down on the floor set an alarm for 30 minutes and went to sleep then got up and went to the gym and I had to use, I, I was talking to you when I was dumping the pre-workout in my mouth <laughs> and it hit about 15 minutes into the cardio and then it was like, I'm, I'm unstoppable. Let's go. I've got it. <laughs> there it is. So, so, and I'm still feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm good at the moment, but I need to sleep soon. So, and tomorrow I'm sleeping until I wake up. I don't even give a care what time it is. <laughs> understandable i'll be up late tonight editing i know you will i know and i'm planning on sleeping in tomorrow yeah yeah it's a good thing we we need to rest and recuperate so Mm -hmm. how has your week been now that we've talked about me being all kinds of mental crazy this week well it's only been 14 minutes are you oh well that's that's a a long damn time are you sure that's all you want to talk about (laughs) I think. Do you know something I don't that I should talk about? Uh, no. I <laughs> want to make sure we connect with your emotions and your feelings. And oh my god, we don't want to do that. My emotions are all over the place. So, <laughs> life is a shit show. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> yes. I can toast to that. Yes, yes I know you is. can. I know you can. This. So, okay, I I could talk about my week, mm-hmm. but it's the same old, same old, just Aww. times like 10. Aww. So, and what I mean by that is just, just, I'm, I'm trying to, to make it through yeah. um, with work right. right now. This is a, a big deal we're in and uh, we're doing the very best that we can. Right. And I love the new vision. And I'm rolling with the punches. I'm <laughs> That's just all you can not, do. Yeah, I don't like I don't like training without answers. Yeah, I don't I, I don't like being asked questions I I don't know the answer to. Yeah, that is frustrating. And you know, I don't like that. Uh, I don't I don't like it at all. So <laughs> I, rather rather than talk about work, I want to share something a little introspective. Okay. Have you ever seen the TV show In Treatment? No, but I've heard you mention it a couple times. You you mentioned it earlier today to me, so I don't know what it is. So it's a television show. It's on HBO. I don't know the names of actors, so I can't give you anything. But the actor was like voted like, you know, very attractive man or something at one point or other. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hottest man in the United States or something. He's he's a big deal. (laughs) Something I think I saw it on USA Today. I don't remember. Or people. Those are two very different things. I don't really know what I'm talking <laughs> about now, so I'm going to shut up on that. Okay. <laughs> Just know it's uh, it's worth checking out. It's called In Treatment. It's on HBO. 
Mm-hmm. And in watching this show, the several things. The therapist is phenomenal. And it's actually really cool because you get to watch entire therapy sessions, fictional, of course, but entire therapy sessions in progression. Um, And it's fascinating. And this therapist is really, really good. And it's just really reminding me (laughs) how far out of touch I am with my clinical game. So because you don't work in it every day. Well, I don't work in it at all. Exactly. I am a trainer. Right. Technically, I'm a clinical trainer, so I have the word clinical in front of my name. However, I mainly train systems. Right. I teach people how to work in a 1980s software program. (laughs) DOS. Yeah. Black and green screens. They really need to update. We no. That's that's what that's that's happened. It's rolling out. Okay. okay. See, I don't want to get too much into work. Okay. Just I might even take some of that out. The The point here is that I'm just v- feeling very out of touch with my clinical game. And my imposter syndrome is, is coming to the surface there. Right. On top of that, these characters' lives I identify with in so many different ways. And it's really highlighting the need that I have for a therapist. Now, I'm going to keep going a little bit further. Okay. I called them. I have called two. Therapists? I have searched and found two trauma therapists. Okay. That are phenomenal. It has been two weeks and I have not received a call back. That's unprofessional. So, at this point, reaching out for help is freaking hard. Yes, and. I say that even as a mental health professional, right? And I'm expecting other people to reach out for help. I I struggle to reach out for help. I'm going to own that. Right. And to reach out for help, especially when I feel like I've been on the verge of a mental breakdown for like the last six months, right? which then got tipped by a grand mal seizure, which then got tipped by one of the most stressful months of work in my life. I just... It's just like another level of rejection. Well, I think you need to contact them again and, and ask them from a professional standpoint, if you are unavailable, can you please let me know? Because Oh, I did on the one of the last messages. So okay. I've called one of the therapists twice, and I called the other one just once. But the one I called twice on my second voicemail, I mentioned, and if you are unavailable, do you have any referrals to other people that you think are good within the therapy realm? Well... And in regards to specifically trauma and no response. And I'm just like, that's, that's horrible. In my opinion, I I, I don't understand how somebody in the mental health field specifically can, can not respond with at least the most basic of messages to somebody who's reaching out for help. I even went to their website and completed one of their web submissions with my email address. Like, Mm. I don't know what else I would need to do. So that's also really infuriating to me and makes me just want to stop. Because now it's not just one, it's two. Well, you know this is a process, right? I mean, finding a good therapist is a process. And just because they're fantastic at trauma doesn't mean they're a good, like, 
business person or a human being. Well, all I know is that I am a very complex individual with lots of problems. <laughs> uh, so I need the best, you know, I, my, I need someone being, that can handle my shit. Right. But my point being that maybe the best in this situation is not somebody that is considered the epitome of a trauma therapist, but maybe it's somebody who knows how to connect with you emotionally and support no you. one knows how to connect with me emotionally, well i don't Michelle. think you can I've say that every... i think that you have to continue to look for that i could say something but we're recording okay. okay i just yeah this has been a really tough year already i know is all i want to say i know i've lost a lot of support and uh i mean i think i've already talked about it but i I've been shamed online. Um, I've been kicked out. Well, not kicked out. I removed myself, but not allowed back in of an entire community. I rejected and turned away an entire community in the process, hurting people and also dealing with aftermath. Understandably, I think I was justified in my actions. However, the result outcome is still the same result outcome. My health has been completely off the wire. I literally had a grand mal seizure in a city other than my own, woke up in a hospital not knowing who I was or where I was. I don't know. I didn't mean to be so serious. No, I'm just saying fine. watching this show, watching this show is really illuminate, illuminating, is really shining a light on the fact that I need help. Yeah. And, and that's why you have to keep looking. Yeah. Well, you can't just quit. I understand that and I, you know, I expect this of people who are, <laughs> I expect it to be really, really hard for, I don't know what I'm saying. I, all I'm, all I'm saying is that are the people that I try to help, I'm expecting to be able to reach out for help and advocate for themselves right. and I can't even do it. Well, and you are, you are trying, you're I, having, you're I, struggling well, I, with I the have. people on the other side. Yeah, but it's now been a few weeks and like it's literally the last thing I want to do. Like I just want to be able that. to go into a therapist's office. I don't want to do anything more. And for someone with major depressive disorder, this is an extremely hard thing to do yes. because those ish, those moments of motivation to even do that come in spurts. Right. So it's not, you know what I mean? Like there might yeah. be one evening I might be willing to do it and the other six I'm not going to. Right. So... Anyhow, sorry to drop, you know, Ooh, a bomb here on a that's mental minute. Mental minute, that's what it is. The hope the hope is in sharing this is that some other people can relate. And please know this. Mental health professionals are no different than other pe- individuals. Right. All right? We are all about neutralizing that field, bridging the gap, mm-hmm. and understanding that we are all human beings and that we all struggle. Sure. And by golly, I think everyone should watch in treatment, but just prepared. <laughs> you're probably going to think you need therapy. And if you're a mental health professional, you're going to wonder, are you really good at your job? So, but it, it, it is very challenging and it's good to watch. And I encourage everyone to check that out. Well, if you are a mental health professional, because of course that is part of our demographic, if yes, you are a mental health professional and you're not returning phone calls or emails from somebody <laughs> that is looking for health, help you are not good at your job and you should get better 
Yeah. Straight And up. I get it. But like this is like this is all I'm saying is that if you are a mental health professional and you are not currently taking clients, please Just say contact. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Contact the EAP companies that you're affiliated with and the insurance panels that you're on and your psychology today page and like you know like let people know right you know right or at least put on your voicemail i'm not currently taking anything yeah anything that would let somebody know to not be expecting a phone call in return when you have a website that advertises healing is possible and then you don't answer people's phone calls or return them that healing actually is not possible. Right. So that's false advertising, and please get your ass in gear. <laughs> exactly. And now... I agree. Let's jump in to an interview with Christina Kofke. Hello, and welcome to Mental Podcast. I am privileged today to be sitting down with a good friend of mine, Christina Kofke. How are you doing, Christina? I am good. How are you, Seth? I'm doing all right. It's uh, a lot is happening, but I'm, I'm really happy to be interviewing you today. Uh, as part of our series called The Trauma Trials, we are doing um, a six-month series on trauma, And this month we are focused on essentially chronic physical illness. And um, I know, you know, we interact quite a bit on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so today I just kind of wanted to get your story and kind of um, what you've been, what you've been dealing with, how that's been impacting you. And so tell first, well, first of all, how are you doing? You know, things are, are better in life as a whole. So you know, it, it's definitely been up and down, but you know, I find I'm finally in a place where I think things are okay. So okay, we'll just take it and take it and go with it. One day at a time, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I'm happy to hear that things are, are going better. Yes. If I, may I ask what, what was going on that was difficult? What was happening? So a couple years ago, when what I, what I deal with my chronic illness was not in control, things were, it was hard to live, honestly. So getting to a place where I finally got things, I guess, regulated Mm -hmm. is a good word. It was hard to live. So couldn't, you know, working consistently, being a mom, being a wife, all those things were not easy. So now that that is all getting lined in and, and falling in place, it just seems that things are, things are better. So. Great. Well, what, what have you been, what have you been dealing with? Um, so I have fibromyalgia. Okay. I was diagnosed in 2007. Okay. So I struggled with finding out what was, what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. in my air quotes, (laughs) what was wrong with me for close to 10 years, honestly. Wow. Um, I dealt with a lot of stuff as a teenager and there were little small fixes here and there. Um, So I have no doubt that being diagnosed with 
fibromyalgia in 2007 was definitely a like buildup of all of my issues that I was dealing with as a teenager, physically, health-wise. So, well, well, what, what did you start experiencing like in 2007? Um, well, 2007, I had already dealt with pain, just pain mm. all over. Um, fibromyalgia is as a medical diagnosis, you know, term, it, it is widespread must like they can, they say that it's more muscle, but widespread pain. It could be anywhere on your body at any point, And it, it can, it, it can never be the same. It can be, you know, your legs one day, your arm the other day, you know, it's just constantly different. And for every person it's different. Mm -hmm. So I was dealing with a lot of overall pain, extreme fatigue, stomach issues, migraines, which they all, once they said, yeah, you have fibromyalgia, they said, yeah, all of that is contributed to it, to fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was tested for the problem with fibromyalgia is that they don't have a test for it. They don't have something they can do that says, yep, this is what you yeah, have. And well, and I wanted to mention, I mean, I wanted to kind of talk about because for everyone that I have talked to in regards to fibro has talked about like they con it constantly gets diagnosed other things and it's almost kind of mm -hmm. you have to you have to be diagnosed with so many things before I mean so many things have to be ruled out rather ruled out right before right. they can get to that diagnosis and so that journey of kind of having to get all of those things ruled out before you can actually treat what actually is happening can take a can take a long time yeah, fortunately, I would say fortunately, you would think that like five to 10 years is too long for anything to be undiagnosed. But in the world of chronic illness, that's actually kind of a short time span. I've known people that it took um, 30 years wow. to get something definitive um, because they were either misdiagnosed or because of what's going on you were told that it's all in your head. We're told that it's just, you need to lose weight. You need to exercise. You need to change your diet and then you'll be fine. And so there's all those things that come up that in some aspects, yes, some of those things might help, but they don't cure and fix the actual underlying issue. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think going to a um, doctor and being told like, you just need to get more vitamin D, you need to get into the sunlight more is kind of offensive uh, with everything that you are experiencing because it's like, really, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I can't tell you how many times going to a doctor, even after I was diagnosed mm -hmm. in 2007, going from doctor to doctor to doctor, just to get relief because I would have them tell me that, well, there's nothing we can do for fibro there. You know, there's no medication you can take. And I was put on some different medications. Some things helped, some things didn't. And you have to deal with them, the side effects of some of those medications trying to, you know, dealing with the ups and downs with those. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a trial and error and not only with the medications, but with the doctors, like I could tell you 
the first 10 minutes of meeting a doctor if this was going to work out. I can't tell you how many times that I saw a doctor once and was like, nope, you know, they're not willing to listen. They're not showing any sort of like compassion to my situation. I'm a young, you know, I was 20, 22. I shouldn't be having these issues. I get that. I know I shouldn't be having these issues, but here I am having these issues. Let's take care of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I was also having a lot of like female issues at the time as well, um, with endometriosis and ovarian cysts. Well, endometriosis is like a whole nother ball of wax. It's a whole other thing. In yes. regards to pain. And that is yes. a physical illness. I don't know. Is, can we call it? I oh, feel like yes. you can, I think we can call that chronic. It's a cur- oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. we can. So that's okay. So now, so now. <laughs> whole other thing. <laughs> So really, you're dealing with two chronic physical illnesses. Um, and yes. endometriosis is extremely painful from what I, yes. the limited information that I know. But I know I that it's... I was going to say, I'm, yeah, your personal experience. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I've I worked it. with clients <laughs> who honestly have had it. And I have kind yeah. of talked through some of those crisis moments of that much pain. And I, I just, yeah. I know how real that is. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And then what was the third thing you mentioned? ovarian cyst which i would have cysts that would rupture and yeah so that was a whole thing i had i've had over 20 surgeries because of different things and some multiple are for the cyst rupturing and trying to clean out the endometriosis and take care of the ongoing pain that i was dealing with so three of my surgeries were emergency surgeries from the cyst i would go into the er and I, I'm very grateful that I had OBGYNs that dealt with my situation very seriously. Mm -hmm. And they knew that my body wouldn't take care of the situation like it should. So they immediately scheduled me for surgery, had me admitted, took care of what I needed to take care of so that my pain wouldn't prolong Mm -hmm. because they knew the situation. So I had, I did have, when it came to that, some very, very fantastic doctors, that did help me a lot during, during the way. So that part, while I did have to deal with it on and off up until my hysterectomy in 2013, but I did have doctors that did help me with it. So, but with that, and then having fibro, you never know when your fibromyalgia will flare. Yeah. I have pain all the time. Even now, When I say that my pain is controlled, I still have pain, but it's not to the extent where I have to lay in bed, curled up in a ball crying, you know, I can kind of bury it a little bit more now and not really think about it. But when I had the endometriosis and the cyst, it would throw my overall widespread pain out of control. So they played off of each other a lot, which, you know, it's not helpful. No, it's it's most certainly not helpful. It sounds like <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm trying to put myself in in that situation, and mm-hmm. I'm very much struggling too because I truly can only imagine what that must have been like. I honestly, and I'm being as transparent yeah. as real as I can here. I can only, I would think that it would feel as if your body was like on fire, like as if 
everything inside of you was chaotic and as if your body almost was fighting you or that like Mm -hmm. you were you know you were at war within yourself but not yourself internal like but no it is internal your entire body ever all of that (laughs) i can only imagine tied that was a sentence of no of substance but that's how i would that's what i think i would feel i but i don't know yeah and honestly, there would be times that I, cause the pain could feel like it's stabbing, shooting, yeah. burning. I mean, your pain is different from day to day, from hour to hour, my pain would change. And it's really? just like, I just wanted relief. <laughs> you know, those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast, running out to the store, walking the dog or washing the dishes. Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. With Eversense, the long-term sensor helps me spend less time dealing with my CGM. I only need two sensor changes a year. If you're on multiple doses of insulin, you might greatly benefit from the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only continuous glucose monitoring system that lasts for up to six months with one sensor. Still doing frequent sensor changes? Break free today with Eversense. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, please visit eversensediabetes.com safety. Interesting enough, today is nine years from the day that I was released from the hospital after spending a week in the psych ward. So happy anniversary to that. LJ was three months old. And one night I just looked at my husband, Kenan, and mm-hmm. I just said, I don't want to live anymore. I had gone through my pregnancy. My fibromyalgia was because I couldn't take anything during the pregnancy. So that didn't um, help with anything. Being pregnant alone, your body is going through so many different changes, not only physically, but hormonally and all that other fun stuff that goes on. So um, I'm very, I'm actually very thankful I wasn't working at that time because I could stay home and just not do anything if I didn't want to. Um, But a month after I had LJ, I had my gallbladder um, removed in an emergency surgery. And then two months later on Mother's Day, I found out that I had a kidney stone and had to have emergency surgery to have a kidney stone removed. So it's dealing with the, the pregnancy or with the, the delivery, healing from that, going in to have emergency surgery twice. And on top of all of that, dealing with postpartum depression and my fibromyalgia and just everything. I just was like, I'm done. Okay, here we go. I don't want to do this anymore. So Kenan took me to the ER and said, help her because I can't lose her. And so I was admitted for a week to deal with those issues. <laughs> so that was well, interesting. I, I think it's pretty understandable. Um, yeah. You know, when we look at suicidal ideation, often the reason people end up in that position frequently is because they feel as if they've run out of options. And it mm-hmm. felt like you were <laughs> a lot of options were being used. Um, and yeah. it was like you would do one and then it was just like, there was something else. It was, 
Mm-hmm. It was just one thing yeah. after another. And so I just want to, first of all, commend you for, for going because I know that that can be an extremely scary thing and takes yes. a lot of courage to even be willing to walk through those doors. So I think you have a lot to be proud of that when you were at in that position, you, you agreed to go. Yeah. I, I didn't at first. I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, no, I was like the next morning, he's like, he didn't go to work. And I'm like, why aren't you going to work? He goes, I'm not leaving you alone. He's like, I don't know what you're going to do. So I'm not going to leave you alone. You know, of course, having a newborn and I, yeah, I was saying that I didn't want to live anymore, but I don't, even at that time, I knew I wasn't going to do anything because the fact that I had my son, but I just, I I was done. I was, my pain was absolutely out of control. I, I had no, nothing I could take. I tried going back on medication that I was on before pregnancy for the fibro and it wasn't working. And I was just like, I, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. my primary doctor at the time, she's like, she felt, but she's like, she goes, you had no chance, honestly. She's like, you had no chance, you know? And so I've shared my story as far as the postpartum depression aspect of it with other, several other moms um, and groups and things, because I know a lot of women out there without dealing with chronic illness, you know, dealing with the postpartum aspect of it is hard enough on its, on its own, Mm -hmm. you know? So just being able to share that part and saying, you know, you can't get help. There are people out there that obviously care about you and love you and whatever the situation is, you can get help. So, but then also dealing with the chronic illness aspect of it, same thing, you know, you feel like you're, out of options. Mm-hmm. And after you go from doctor to doctor to doctor, you've tried every single medication. You've even gone down the whole lines of changing your diet completely, trying to lose the weight, which a lot of people that have chronic illnesses, especially when it's a pain, chronic illness, being overweight, you have the doctors telling you that, well, you just have to lose weight. You just have to lose weight. It's not just that easy because if you have hormonal issues, Mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever else is, is battling, taking these medications gain, make you gain weight half the time. And then they're telling you to lose weight. And you're like, well, you're putting me on a medication that makes me gain 10 pounds every week. So right. <laughs> please tell me how I'm supposed to lose that. Cause it's not, you know, so there's just these, there's these, these battles that you have to deal with everywhere. And I mean, not only with the medical aspect of it, but then you've got personal aspects of it and you know your work aspect you know you're just you're fighting these battles all the time simultaneously and you're just like what do I do you know and when you don't have support and people behind you that can that can help you it it's very lonely Mm -hmm. extremely lonely Mm -hmm. so so anyone that might be listening to this, if you've been fighting and, you know, trying to find the right doctor, just keep fighting because they're out, they are out there. 
I've been very fortunate um, after, I probably have seen over a hundred doctors to be real. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't and, be surprised. You know, it's, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've come home and I've cried because the doctor was mm-hmm. a jerk, yeah. <laughs> among other words, <laughs> you know, but you, if you want, if you want to find the answer, you just got to keep fighting because it's out there. It, you know, I know it's hard, but it, it can, you can find it. I know you can, I found it. So for me, at least what works for me, because I know what works for me won't work for everybody. So. Absolutely. Well, it's all individualized, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a few questions here I, I want to follow up on. Sure. Did you find the inpatient experience helpful or traumatic or both? I would say both, honestly. I was admitted basically middle of the night. So when I was brought in, there was just, you know, nurses around and I had to go through the whole intake, which is, I'm trying to think of the word. It's embarrassing Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing because they have to strip you down. They have to make sure you're not bringing anything in that you're going to use to hurt yourself or anyone else. They have to identify any marks or tattoos on your body for whatever they have to do that for. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that I went through with the intake that were just flat out embarrassing. And I'm just thinking, what am I doing here? Like just going in that first, that with the intake, I'm thinking, I am never doing this again. This is not like right there. I was like, Nope, we're done. I want to go home. You know, I slept probably for the first two days mm-hmm. because with everything that I had been, I was exhausted. Um, not just with dealing with the hospital and getting brought in, but just my life in general, right then I was exhausted. I was a new mom. I was like, man, sleep. This is what I need. <laughs> I remember the doctor coming in and he's like, you know, he's like, are you going to start getting up and like interacting with people? And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I kind of enjoy just sleeping. But then of course they were like, if you want to be able to go home, you have to get out and interact and you have to do, you know, their little sessions and stuff that they do. And so like the first time that I got out and went to have food, I don't even remember if it was what meal it was. And I kind of sat down by myself because of course I didn't know anybody that was in there. And it's just like, okay, you feel like everyone's judging you, Mm -hmm. but they're not because they're all dealing with their own stuff. So, but I did end up meeting a couple people. There was another girl that was close to my age and, you know, and they were all there for different reasons, of course. And so after getting over that basically initial, the initial shock and spending the time sleeping that I did, you know, I, I don't, can't tell you the people's names now and, or anything like that, but being able just to talk about what was going on and feeling validated and how I was feeling mm-hmm. by even just the other patients was extremely helpful, you know? So as the week went on, it was definitely 
better. I went through and I, of course you have to sit in your little meeting sessions, whatever you call them to talk. Yeah. Group sessions to talk about, you know, what was going on? Why were you there? How are you going to fix things? And so at the, by the end, I, you know, it really was what I needed to do. I, I, I know that I needed to be there. So it, it, it all worked out the way that it needed to. So well, I'm happy to hear that. Granted, I, right, I do work for the enemy. I do, I should clarify. <laughs> I, I, uh, I used to be that guy that uh, yeah. when the hospital called, I picked up the phone and then I would authorize that care. Right, but I, right. I did not mean to put myself in a position about, I'm just saying I work, I work for the enemy. Um, but right. I talk to people about this stuff frequently and I've heard so many stories about trauma in regards to this experience yeah. and, and what you just went, what you shared about those first two days, I hear frequently. Sure. That experience can be very dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about, I want to go back to the physical illness aspect of this conversation in light of what you've been through. You know, you, you shared a very inspiring message about, you know, not giving up and, and continuing to fight. And you went through a mm-hmm. very traumatic event just in kind of getting the, your own mental health support through this experience. What has yeah. been, what have been the things were, that have kept you hopeful? What's kept you fighting? Because it's hard. I mean, I, I can own truly, I can only imagine what it what it has been like for you. And so I know a lot of people that have given up on things uh, mm-hmm. for, for and I mean, for things not as difficult as that. So so what is what has been the hope? What's kept you fighting? So, uh, I mean, I remember days that I would be like, as I curled up in bed, crying because the pain was just so bad and I couldn't get relief. And I just was like, I I just need this to end. And I'd be praying. I'd be like, God, just make it end. Just make it stop. You know, whether it was just making the pain go away or me going to sleep and not waking up. What I was just like, please, I was like, please, please just make this stop. And then I've, I'm in support groups online um, through Facebook. I have a couple different, couple different support groups that I've been a part of. That you know, you you go and you vent, and you've got other women that are you know being supportive, that understand what you're dealing with. But I knew that what I was going through would be able to help someone in the future. I did, my son was born in 2012. So there were a few years that, you know, from when I was diagnosed, I got married in 2009. Um, LJ was born in 2012. And I knew that I had to keep going for my family. I knew that I wasn't being put through this because of anything that I had done. Like I knew God wasn't like punishing me. Like some people say, oh, well, you're going through this because you've done something wrong, which I'm just going to say, I don't believe that, but I believe that he was putting me through this because the fact that for one, I needed to turn to him to use God as my strength, 
but then that way I can use this to witness to other people and be hopefully encouragement to other people that go through the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's fibro, whether it's another chronic illness, whatever the case may be, but my story was going to be used. And now I'm on a podcast. I mean, I'm going to do, you know, doing the interview for a podcast who knew that, you know, that would happen, but it is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's just another way that I can just let them know that it's whoever, again, might be listening to this, but you can get through it. And I know that there's days that are hard and I've, I've had, I still, I still have them. Like I, I forget that I do still have bad days. That's not, that's not a bad thing. If you forget the bad days, it's, it's, you know, it's it's when you don't remember the good days that, that you're running into issues. And there was a time, (laughs) there was a time that I didn't like, it's like, when can I just have a day where I don't have pain? Like, I didn't remember the last time that I was like pain free. And though that's, it's sad and scary but you know I was able to I'm, I'm not saying that I'm cured I'm not saying that it's all just completely gone but there there's been some changes so that's it's obviously progress. helpful so absolutely yeah. and something I want to highlight in hearing your story the power of good healthcare professionals uh <laughs> and the damage of bad um from from an, essentially at every aspect of your of your journey i mean healthcare has been a huge deal mm-hmm. you've i mean from mental health to physical health to surgeries to the hysterectomy to i mean all the stuff that's been going on of, um yeah. and it sounds like you've had some horror stories in regards to access <laughs> to to healthcare professionals that were not helpful. Am I correct? Correct. I mean, I went for 10 years having an appendix that needed to be removed. That was another part of my story, you know, and they kept saying, well, it's not sick, but it was twisted. And who has a twisted appendix? Nobody, me, I, I do. And so once it was taken out, it was like, again, things just, I finally found a doctor that listened, that took care of it. And then that totally, because I was in the ER once a month for almost two years dealing with my appendix and kept being told over and over and over that it's not sick. We can't do anything about it. And then my GI doctor was like, no, we really do need to take care of, you know, this let me find a different surgeon because the surgeon that I saw said well there's nothing I insurance won't let me well they do but you just have to go about it the right way and so then another a different surgeon took care of it and so you know again you just gotta gotta keep fighting gotta you know keep looking for the right for the right person out there that can help you so I'm also want to highlight the support system and mm-hmm. who you have around you um, because through all of this it sounds like Kenan has been by your side yeah we met in 2006 
and I was diagnosed in 2007. We had a long distance relationship, so we had never been near each other, you know, more than like a few days at a time. And it was only every few months that we got to see each other. So when I ended up being diagnosed, we weren't even together for a year. Um, and he, you know, so he didn't really understand a lot of what I went through until we got married and, you know, we spent every day together and then he realized what exactly the toll that it was taking on me. But I honestly believe that God gave me the right person to marry. There was definitely his work in that because I hear horror stories of women in my support groups where they don't have that support. And I'm just like, I'm mind blown because I don't know how I would never survive if I wouldn't have had, you know, like here I, it breaks my heart to hear people deal with chronic illness and then not have people like support them. You know, they're like, oh, well, you're just faking it or, you know, you just need to get over it and you need to make my dinner. Like, mm-hmm. mm, no, I don't. So it, he has been 100% my rock through all of it. Because I mean, like I said, I've had 20 surgeries. A lot of them have been after we got married. So having to go through surgery and then recover and, you know, and then taking care of LJ when I was sick and I couldn't, you know, there's been those times. So yeah, I wouldn't have been able to survive without him because he was the one that made me go to the hospital when I, you mm-hmm. know, when I said I wasn't willing to be here anymore, he was like, well, I need you here. LJ needs so... you here. Let's get this, let's get this taken care of. So, you know, and I, the other thing that I see with my son is the compassionate person that he's become. Mm-hmm. He, when he sees someone at school or anywhere that's hurt, he's always just like, are you okay? What can I do? Because he knows that when I don't feel good and I'm hurting, he just comes and like, will lay down with me and snuggle and Aww. just like, be like, mom, you know, what can I do to help? He me having chronic illness is turning him into this little compassionate human being, which is just like, you know, mama heart here is loving Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that will help him grow up to be the same type of man that my husband is, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Well, I mean, I would think that with everything that has been going on, that it would be trying on a marriage. I mean, you kind of mentioned, you know, you've, you've heard horror stories mm-hmm. on, on some of the, the support groups. So I also, when we talk about support system, it's not just who's living in our house, but, yeah. but they're the people we allow in. Mm-hmm. And so can we talk a little bit about the external um, outside of the, the nuclear family? What has that support been like? I have, so through my support groups online, one of the support groups that I'm in online, I was actually added to, so how we met you, mm-hmm. Kenan through BC, he also met the wings, which are very dear friends of ours. And the, the wife, she added me to a support group and her and I share a lot of the similar chronic illnesses. And so then 
our husbands were talking because they shared obviously a very similar story with having a wife that was ill. And so not only for me, but for Kenan, he's got support through them because Mm -hmm. they understand our story. But I also have people in friends of my church that they don't have chronic illness, but you know, they've been there for us Mm -hmm. just as, just as support willing to be, you know, to hang out, like if we want to hang out, but I'm not able to like go out somewhere, just like staying at home and watching a movie or, you know, whatever that may be. So we've had, and not just the support for me, but also for Kenan, which I think is huge that he has support as well from his aspect of being kind of a caretaker on and off for me not kind of being a caretaker on and off for me and then being able to, to have people that he can turn to and and talk with and things like that. So it's been, I have lost a friend though, through it after 15 years, someone decided that they didn't, they just were saying nasty things about me and how I was dealing with my care and actually accusing me of being an addict because of the medication that I was on when she had no idea because she wasn't near us, like she was out of state. And that was definitely hard because it was someone that I thought understood me and thought that would be by my side, you know, long, I mean, 15 years is a long time, but even longer than that. And when that relationship ended, I fortunately had other people that I was able to rely on. So it's, it's good to have at least, yeah, it's, it's good to have at least one person, you know, I've been able to connect with someone else. Mm -hmm. Their family actually watched LJ as a little kid and they were very helpful whenever I was sick and helping take care of LJ, but their daughter is just a couple of years younger than me. And she's going to listen to this though. Shout out to her, um, Ashley. (laughs) Hey, Ashley. She, um, <laughs> she's actually, she actually, I'm probably going to cry talking about her because she's, um, she's been someone that stepped into my life when I needed her most. So I think her and I needed each other. I hoped she needed me. I should say, you know, we both go through our things, but we're, she's that relationship that I can just text her whenever. And she's there. She's down to go doing whatever. Um, we're in, you know, we share a lot of the same hobbies, which is good. So she is just someone that she's so non-judgmental, which is amazing. And, and that's just, it's just what I needed at this time. So mm-hmm. I've, I've got, I've got my people beyond just my family, which is definitely, definitely important to, to have, to find, and to be able to hold on to when you're going through any situation. So, sorry, I didn't mean to like kind of break down there for a second. No, 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 Um, no. This is a safe place. (laughs) We, we cry here. It's okay. (laughs) So definitely thinking back on things and how they were. And I can definitely say that at a time 
I never thought that I would be where I am now for sure. So I'm glad that I had people that encouraged me to keep going mm-hmm. and being able to find the doctors that I needed and finding something that worked for me, you know, to help take care of basically just to take care of the pain that I, that I suffer with. So, and now that I've, I've been able to do that, take care of that part of, of the chronic illness, you know, the pain aspect of it, there's still definitely other things that I have to deal with different weird symptoms that can come up that I have. So it's not, it's not just a pain aspect. There's definitely lots of other things that come along with it that you have to deal with. And you never know when or how or why or any of that. <laughs> There's no rhyme comes, or reason. Just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it was interesting. You've clarified this in your in your story, but one of the things that I immediately thought when you were describing at the beginning, um, a lot of the different symptoms from pain to migraines to you know all of that. Mm-hmm. The thing I wanted to ask was, with the pain, is it like sharp pain or like a numbing pain or like a weight? Like it just feels like it's weight. Like what when we say pain, what do we mean? And you've clarified it constantly yes. varies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. When I have people ask, they're like, "Was it say so yeah sharp stabbing?" I'm like, "Yes." All of the above. <laughs> they're like, um. Okay, where is it? Um, it's this general area, like pretty much head to foot. Um, yeah, it, it and that's that's the absolute hardest part about this disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there there is no rhyme or reason, and not even just from person to person, but like I said, hour to hour, it changes. It's different. It's you know, and you're just like what is my body doing? (laughs) Because I don't know. And clearly it doesn't either. (laughs) Yeah. So. I'm just so, for a couple things, I'm so happy that you didn't stop fighting because may I just say, your story is inspirational. And I think it's going to mean to a lot of people on multiple levels from mental health to physical health. And I want to thank you for sharing that with us. The other thing is really the support system and just how incredibly important that is. And I think that, I mean, I'm just so happy you're doing well today and that you've, you know, that that things started to get in place. And it just sounds like that support system was a big part of that in addition to healthcare providers who knew what they were doing. Yeah. And for those who are listening, who may be, struggling with a chronic physical illness of any kind, really. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to extend this to say anyone who's struggling with that brain pain, um, the psychological pain that results in wanting to give up, um, to Mm -hmm. to stop fighting. What, what would be your words of, of wisdom or advice from your experience? No matter what is going on in your life, there are people that care. Even if you feel like you don't have support in that in this moment, there are people that care. There are people, and you know what? The craziest thing is sometimes it might be complete strangers. Mm-hmm. If you're not in a support group, find one. 
whether it's a in-person, which I know right now, a lot of that's not happening, but online, uh, you know, find something they're there. There's people there. I have formed relationship with complete strangers that, you know, have been absolutely instrumental in getting through certain things. There are people that care, even if I, I know, obviously with dealing with illnesses and pain and, and fighting with depression and, and whatever comes along with all that, you might think in that moment that it doesn't matter if I'm gone, no one's going to care. Someone is going to care. I hear stories about complete strangers and it just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I have like just flat out lost it hearing a story of someone dealing with chronic pain that thought that they couldn't go on and, you know, and, and they decided to not go on and it breaks my heart. And I, I get that a lot of people will go to find relief and they're told they can't get pain medication or, or whatever it is. There's something out there. There's some, uh, there is a doctor out there that will help you. You know, there's other ways to get the relief that you need to get. And I'm not saying like illegal ways. Don't, don't take that from there. Um, but there, there's, there's ways there's people there. There's, there are support systems somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just find them reach at, you know, just ask for help. Don't it. You're not weak for asking for help. You're just, everybody needs help at some point, no matter what the situation is. It doesn't have to be a physical. It doesn't have to be a mental. Everybody needs help in some sort of way somewhere you know mm-hmm. some part of your life you you it's okay to ask for help yeah. you're not you know you're not less of a person for asking for help you know god made us to need each other god made us to be connected and you just got to find those ones that you can connect with absolutely don't give up keep fighting there's help available absolutely absolutely Mental Podcast with Christina Kofke, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed Plus Special Financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next Test Strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over-the-counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to ContourNext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. <laughs>